0: Welcome back, everyone, to a new season of Full Court Press uh, covering Georgetown men's and women's basketball for for this whole season. Uh, I'm Nathan, and I'm joined by a couple esteemed
1: guests today. Uh, What's up, everybody? It's me, Tristan, um, former sports editor, former sports exec. uh, As of this semester, back to just a staff writer, but happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Nathan.
0: We're off to a flying start.
1: And uh, yeah, I'm
2: Roman. Um, My most important job at The Voice is co host of um, First Time, Long Time with you, Nathan. Um, But I'm glad to be here as well.
0: What else do you do in The Voice? Nothing. Second most important job.
2: Uh, Second most important job is I'm the editor in chief.
0: Mm. Very nice. Very nice. To be graced in the presence of someone who has a Wikipedia um, connection. All right, guys. So, um, so let's get into it. I thought we would start with uh, women's basketball, who play their first game of the season against number twenty-four DePaul after coming off a um, fourteen-day after coming off fourteen-day quarantine due to uh, positive COVID test. Uh, they lost, as expected, seventy-two to fifty-four to the number twenty-four team in the country. Um, but they, they hung around. They, they were real competitive in the first half and uh, stayed so for most of the second half. What are your thoughts, guys?
1: Um, I mean, the first thing that occurred to me is just that the top three scorers, um, if I'm correct, yeah, Ott, Ransom, and Harmon, uh, 18, 14, and eight points, all freshmen. Um, and, I mean, for a team that this year uh, we're expecting them to be in, like, a rebuilding mode and not really to be competitive this year. But looking ahead to the future, especially, like, after losing a bunch of players in this the last offseason, um, I would say that that's an encouraging thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, odd had a fantastic game. Shot 7 of 10, 4 of 6
2: from 3. Played a game high, 38 minutes for Hoyas. You know, she's not going to play that well every game. Um, and I don't think she's necessarily a number one Scoring option that wasn't the scouting report coming out of high school and, you know, she could definitely outperform and she's supposed to be one of the fastest players in the league probably was at the Olympic trials. So, you know, she's going to cool down a little bit, but, you know, you're not going to have another game where Talia Stimson and uh, Taylor Bauer combined for one point, you know, Bauer's played on a tournament bound team before. She's much better than that. And she, you know, she chipped in nine rebounds. She didn't have a bad day. Uh, but she only took one shot so you know they're gonna start spreading around a little more and you know I don't think they're not a very good team and they'll never be able to shape up with the DePaul's but I think you know at the lower ends of the conference I think there are going to be some competitive games and you know if you told me that going into the year I'd be like all right sign me up
0: yeah um it seems that this is a this is a pretty rough year for basketball as a whole, whether it be men's or women's, um, with Georgetown. Uh DePaul, they they run deep, man. They got they've got they've got so many ways they could beat you. They held um Georgetown did a really good job holding um holding their leading scorer Sonia Morris, to ten points um on on uh, ten attempts. I thought I thought they did a pretty good job there, but you know, DePaul comes at you in waves. They had they had Deepakeldra who um, got 19 and 12, uh, 12 rebounds, and Lexi Helt, who had 16. And really they dictated the pace of the game. DePaul likes to run up and down, um, get a lot of get a lot of field goal attempts and turn you over. And well, um, we had 32 turnovers in that game, and including uh, 21 from the top three scores who are all freshmen. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a continual growing process. And something I found really interesting was that in his post game, um, in his post game, coach Howard talked about how, like, talked about like how with a couple pieces in the, that they're going to get in the future, um, they, they might be, they might be more competitive and might, you know, might get on that road to, uh, back to kind of relevancy in the Big East. It, do you guys think that's a weird kind of thing to be like ex- explicitly talking about the future, especially compared to, you know, a Patrick Ewing where two days before the Coppin State game, he says, I don't know anything about Coppin
1: State. I do think it's a little bit weird to bring up. What was the exact wording of again? The future additions? Like, yeah, I think that is kind of weird to like bring up in a post-game press conference for, like, a regular season game. But, I mean, it makes sense for, like, a team where you have, like, a bunch of freshmen thinking about, like, next year, just, like, off the top of my head, like, I don't know, like, picking up a couple, like, grad transfers, like, for a team that's, like, mostly going to be built up of, like, sophomore freshmen getting, like, a ton of playing time. Like, that would – I would imagine would help solidify the team. Um, but – I mean, he's not bringing up any, like, specific names or anything. So, no. And, you know, this is a team that doesn't have
2: many senior rotation players. So, you know, everyone there knows the deal. You know, Taylor Bauer knows the deal. She came here for one year. She's going to play her minutes and then move on, you know. And the other seniors, um, besides, you know, Anita, whenever she comes back – um. And Brianna Mayfield plays, right? Um,
0: no, so yeah, they had three uh, three returning members of the team opt out due to uh, concerns around COVID. Brianna Brianna Mayfield was one of them. The other two were Lexi Kimball and uh, Sari Curritan.
2: Interesting, and those so are they're all even seniors. more sure. shorthanded than before. I'm pretty sure all three of those players are seniors. Yeah, they're all yeah. seniors. So you know, they're not there. So you have Taylor Bauer, who's a grad transfer, Anita Kalava, our top scorer from last year didn't play this past game. We don't know exactly what's up there. Um, When she's back, if she's back, you know, that's another grad graduate senior. But other than that, everybody else is here, you know, for the next couple of years. So, you know, they, they're also kind of playing for the future and they're going to be able to gel and grow together. So I, I, I think, you know, you, a lot of coaches say this but this year should not be judged by the wins and losses for the men, for the women's team. I think if they start getting those turnovers down, start playing well together, that's what's going to make a difference.
0: Yeah, and you got to recognize that this is against a Paul who who, you know, are a power in the Big East and have been for for uh for the last several years under their head coach Doug Bruno. So, and and in their first game coming off a of, covid layoff like you know in sports there are no, there are no moral victories but damn this is as close as you can get to one right
2: for sure um i mean they had the lead at certain points in the first half you know i thought you know DePaul would go on a run and i was like all right this is this is where it ends this is where the blowout starts and it just never came um little slow going coming out of the half i think that's more than anything DePaul had some adjustments that they figured out and that's what good teams do they adjust at halftime. Um, but overall, very impressed. And I'm excited to see more. And I'm excited to see more Yasminot because she really impressed me because I did not think her shot was that good. Um, and this is not an
1: easy team to shoot against. So props to her. Like, agreed with everything you said, Roman. Just going back to the turnovers that we had like 21 from those three freshmen and then 32 on the whole game, which is. Like, I mean, let's be honest, that's that's pretty that's terrible. That's absurd. Yeah. Um, but we gave up 36 points off turnovers. Like, that makes a huge difference if we can, like, cut that to even, like, like 20, which is, like, still bad, but, like, way better than 32. Um, I think it's going to make a big difference. And especially with those three kids, like, I feel like Ewing will say a lot about, like, freshman mistakes, like, making freshman turnovers. Um, and hopefully – that's like kind of the case with, with these three freshmen, where they're going to like be able to cut out, cut down on it a lot just after getting a few more games under their belt.
0: The women, uh, the women will have plenty of time to um, look back on, you know, what to change, uh, especially in terms of the turnovers. They'll have plenty of time to make the adjustments. Their next game is not until new year's Eve versus Butler. Um Shifting gears now to the men's side, Uh, the men are three and five. They're one and three in conference after um, after a loss to Seton Hall. Guys, what are what are your thoughts overall on this season? You know, the men are another team uh, kind of in flux, given how much turnover that they've had. What are your guys thoughts?
2: We're not a good team right now. The men's team. By my metrics, there are approximately three to four players that will get minutes next year. Um, And that is Wahab, Carey, Dante Harris, and Sibley. Mm -hmm. Baby Burger, if he gets improves on defense, but hopefully we won't even need him. So every game, I'm literally only looking at those four. And outside of Sibley, I'd say their stocks are all pointing up. So, um, and Sibley's almost is pointing up with how bad 2DA is playing. Like, I'm like, he can't be much worse. So, um, through that lens, this year's been kind of exciting. I think Wahab's taking a step forward. Um, I don't know. I think the next evolution is demanding the ball and, you know, kind of being a pivot point in the middle passing out to shooters, taking the ball to the hoop. Um, I think that's the next step, and that's a tough step to get to. Um, but he's been improving. Carey looks like he's, you know, at the very least, a good sixth man off the bench. But mm-hmm. the Harris has shown flashes. He's still a freshman. You know, I can't – you know, he looked fantastic in the St. John's win um, and then a little less fantastic after that. Um, and then Sibley looked like a freshman 100%. And, you know, I think I was – you know, he's a top 100 recruit pretty much. And I I'm used, I just think top 100 recruits will hit the ground running. And it's okay that they don't. And it was a
1: COVID-shortened preseason. So through that lens, this year's okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm with you there. Like, this team coming into the season, we knew that we weren't going to be competitive. Like, we're probably going to be towards the bottom of the Big East standings. That season's end, we're already well on our way there. Um, at the moment but yeah just got to think about um, the pieces that are actually going to be important for this team hopefully the next time that we're actually going to be competitive and like looking to contend for a spot in the the tournament um, and so I'm with I'm in agreement it's like it's those four guys, four guys Wahab, Kerry, uh, Dante Harris and Sibley and just every game trying to look at what they're doing and, like, how they're improving, I will say. Um, I'm really big on Wahab being, like, hopefully next year or I guess his senior year, assuming he stays all four years, being, like, the centerpiece of the next team that that Georgetown – like, the next good Georgetown team. Um And he, I haven't, I feel like I haven't quite seen him take that, that next like big step forward this year. It sort of feels like a little bit more refined, but more or less the same guy that I feel like we saw last year. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just looking to see more from him. I feel like he's getting, he's getting into good positions, um, with the ball on the offensive end. He's just not executing a lot of like good looks that he has, which I, I mean, I guess with that, if you think about it. I feel like more of those, more of those shots will like begin to fall as time goes on. Um, I guess with him just getting more experience, like as a, as a starter and and one of the more go to guys on this offense. Um, but what do you guys think of of Key's performance so far?
0: Yeah, I thought it was really funny that we um, that we kind of talked about Kudus Hob first before even like thinking about Javon Blair, Jamarco Pickett, who were kind of supposed to be the senior leadership on this team um, I would say I would say that um, yeah Tristan I definitely agree with you the idea that um, Kudis sometimes sometimes he's he struggles a little bit um, in the in like one-on-one post-up type situations where you want him to be dominant and we saw a little bit of that against Seton Hall um, against uh, Ike Obiagu who is Who's a crazy good shot blocker and has always kind of had that reputation, but you know, this, this team can't win without, without running the offense through Kudis. I think that um, in the half court, they've, they don't really have many great shot. They, they don't really have many great shot creators uh, or, or ball handlers. And so, you know the, it seems like the formula to be able to win is to run up and down, um, and then, and then try and get Q to go to work whenever we are in the half court, um, and I and I I do think that he'll continue to improve. He, I think he's I think he's shown a lot a lot of improvements now, uh, being that he's he's starting and playing the playing um the vast majority of the minutes. Uh, I also do want to say that, uh, you know, Coach Ewing reminds us at every press conference that we had a late start. Um, We have so many new guys. We're still learning each other. And, like, it gets tiring for the fans, I'm sure, but also it's a reality that you really can't avoid. Um, This is a season unlike any other in which follows a season that – Georgetown had also unlike any other. And so to field a team and to be competitive against some of the top teams in the country, like Villanova and West Virginia, it's no small feat in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. But pivoting to Coach Ewing and his performance, I have been, I mean, I, I didn't watch the Seton Hall game today. I'm not going to lie. So
0: <laughs> That's a good
2: call. Was supposedly really bad. Um, but on the whole, I feel like coach Ewing has the guys ready to go to start the games. He's having good game plans. I think something that he's been criticized for before, and I'm still seeing that is those halftime adjustments that coming out of the half, you know, when you're going against coaches like Jay Wright and Villanova, we saw that in the Villanova game, Villanova took over in the second half because they were like, Oh, we're getting open threes. Let's shoot them. Um, and let's make them. So I mean, I, at a certain point, you know, there's a talent disparity and Patrick Ewing can only do the best with what he, what he got. But I feel like I'd like to see a little more in-game changes and, and strategy changes depending on what the game's given him. And I think, I don't know, in this space, we always, when we talk about assistant coaches, it's often with recruiting, um, which is valid, and we can, we'll talk about recruiting in a little bit. Um, but I think I'd like to see one of the assistant coaches, you know, pushing a little more to first and second half adjustments. I'm just not seeing that. I'm not in the locker room, of course, um, but that's definitely an area that I would like to see a little bit of improvement this the rest of this year.
1: Um, I would say with Ewing, like my biggest complaint, honestly, would be uh, his rotation decisions or just like minute distribution. In um, a couple like cases specifically, like at the beginning of the season. Well, so what was our starting lineup to begin? It was Jalen, uh, Jalen Harris, yeah, Kelly, and the rest of- um Cutis and Pickett and Blair, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he was going to start Dante before uh, Jalen, like, took a leave of absence from the team. Um But I'm happy, I will say, like, just from a basketball perspective, obviously, like, everything's all right with Jalen. But I have liked more what I've seen from Dante as, like, our starting point guard than Jalen. Now, a lot of that was just, like, in the St. John's game and the Villanova game right before that. And besides that, Dante has shown a lot of vulnerability, um, a lot of turnovers and just, like, mental mistakes, I feel like or just instances where he's moving too quickly um, and just like kind of gets out of control. But I think it's evident, like he's a really good athlete and I feel like he's got a really good feel with the ball in his hands, um, which I would have to say is more than I've, I feel like I've seen from Jalen. Um, so Dante getting more minutes at the one has been happy to see at least so far as the season's progressed. Um Besides that, I don't understand why Bile is getting the minutes that he's getting. He has – like, I don't want to go too hard on the guy. <laughs> um, but, but I feel like every time I watch him, I have watched him in a Georgetown uniform. He's been – he's been horrible. <laughs> like, it's that simple. And, like, I don't understand why in a year when, you know, we're, we're rebuilding – what are you guys feeling about Bile and his minutes?
0: I think um, I think Coach Ewing went went pretty hard on Vile in the uh, post game. He's against uh, Seton Hall. He said Today? he needs to continue improving yeah. on everything. He needs to make his shots. He <laughs> passed up a wide open three to dance around with the ball. Um, so so I think I think Coach Ewing covered. Okay, it I didn't good. see that. <laughs> um, yeah, I. <clears throat> Yeah, we, I have kind of noticed that he he tends to have these pretty rigid starting lineups and um all and kind of always wants to play traditional, have a big on the floor. Um, although in this season, who knows if we even have the personnel to go without Kudus. Um, I will say that turnovers, turnovers are and three point defense continue to be continue to be an issue, but obviously like to the crowd that wants to call for Ewing's head after every loss, that that's ridiculous. Um, You can't quest. I don't think you can question uh, coach Ewing's ability to motivate and to, um, to at least have guys be, be competitive against some of the top teams in the country. You, you really can't question their effort, their drive, in a season where also they've been following all the rules unlike a lot of other teams. Of course, that, that, that kind of stuff won't show up in the score sheet. Um, That kind of stuff doesn't necessarily generate, generate you a whole lot of interest or revenue, but it's something that should be commended in, in a time where you have other coaches in your conference um, dropping, dropping $1,000 tabs, at uh, at local bars after after w so um so you you do have to give coach Ewing a lot of credit i think
2: yeah you're right and you know there are no at the post game pressers there are no questions like dave 35 in a row that no one has gotten no tier one individual has gotten covid you know that's not something that comes up and and it's, you know it shouldn't like that's what you're supposed to do and i think that that really speaks to a culture he's building there. That, you know, one of the things is, is, you know, you know, you, he is a little rigid in his lineups, but you know what your role is. And, you know, there is something to be said about that. And if he brought you in to play minutes, you're going to play those minutes. Biles, a veteran. He, <laughs> you, you got anything else other
0: than Biles, a veteran?
2: He's done some <laughs> things on the court that I don't know if I would have tried in Yates. Um, but, Oh, you know, so do I agree with just when he says, give all the minutes to Sibley? Yes. But I also think that he, the, the UN culture is to play the guys he has who's trying hard in practice. And I believe that the guys who are playing are the ones that are grinding it out in practice. There's some rough minutes out there though. And I think he, he did try to experiment a little bit without having a big on the floor and those went poorly mainly because of the personnel we had out there. Yep. I think you know, moving forward it could be a little better.
0: What do you guys think um in terms of in terms of three point defense and I think this is a pretty big sticking point for a lot of Georgetown fans. You you would like to see them chase teams off the three point line and defend the paint at the same time, which is no easy task especially against teams that can really shoot the ball like like Villanova, but against teams that don't shoot the ball very well in general, like St. John's, I think I think they have a like I know this is obvious, but they, they have a much better chance to be able to win. And so do you guys do you guys think that like poor shooting kind of has to be a prerequisite for victory? Like we can't really outgun teams with a roster like this?
1: I mean, it shouldn't be a prerequisite. Um,
0: oh, well, I meant, like, is it a prerequisite?
1: Like, it kind of is, though, for this team, because we're not going to score enough points, um, I don't think. I, I, at least from what I'm seeing right now. Like, today we had, like, seven points 14 minutes into the game. <laughs> um we're going to need some help from the other side for the most part. But I will say, um, while the three-point defense, like, it's been not great, um, especially in the last few games, I think, like, there has been an element of just, like, we caught St. John's, for example, like, on a really shitty day where they were shooting, like, lights out. And, like, some of the, the three-pointers were uncontested and, you know, we weren't closing out. But a lot of them, honestly – like, just watching the game, like, they were contested, and St. John's was just making a lot of shots. Um, So, it goes both ways. Like, we need, maybe like, we need a little bit of help um, with the team not having a great shooting day, but we've got to be better than we have been.
2: And I think there definitely is a possibility that we could outgun a team, but it comes, it it, it has to be from the system. It's not going to be playing iso ball we don't have anybody who can score off you know if we had mac this would be a drastically different team because he would have been the one guy that could have created for himself no one else on this team can but blair's shooting about 35 percent from the feet from three-point land demarco shooting 36 percent donald carey's shooting 45 percent that's not going to continue yeah fantastic. catch and
1: shoot
0: catch and shoot it might continue but he definitely can't do that off the dribble
1: right so
2: you know if we were doing what 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 Tristan was saying earlier, you know, about Wahab getting the ball, getting in a good offensive position and then dishing it out. That's a team that can score threes and make them at a, I think at a decent clip, you know, as long as it's Carrie Pickett, Blair, Berger shooting the threes,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: not Judy, Jalen Harris. (laughs) I don't know whoever else is shooting threes. Bile has 22
1: three-point attempts. Which you is the, you have the numbers in front of you what, what, is, what is Dante shooting from three Dante's shooting like- thirty okay. three percent which is also
2: what he's shooting on non threes so he needs to improve his finishing at the rim like that's
1: yeah
2: inexcusable at the moment he's,
1: what what I like about him is is he is aggressive um like yeah. he gets he gets to the spot he just hasn't finished on a lot of layups like contested or otherwise that i feel like he should be making. Um, But as far as what I've seen from like jump shooting, I think he's looked really nice. Um, And again, like I I like that he's aggressive. Um, Shows that like as a freshman, he's not like afraid of anyone. Um, So yeah, I guess just like going back on the Dante, um, I like the way that he's played just most of the mistakes that he's making are things that I feel like will be cleaned up. Uh, just, uh, you know, as he progresses playing more games and gets more experience on the floor.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, um, just, just for reference, I believe that, um, some of the former guards that we've had in this program while we've been at the school shoot a pretty similar clip from the field, 34, 35%, that area. So, um, So Dante can – I think Dante can definitely improve on that. And the last thing I want to touch on before we get to the fun part is um, I think that – I think that their pick-and-roll defense this year has been significantly better uh, than in past years. I think they've mixed it up a lot with – you remember, like, last year when, like, when we had that when we had that hard hedge every single pick and roll and you knew Yurt Seven wasn't going to be able to get back and they were gonna rotate and they were gonna have have a great look. I think I, I I think just based on the eye test, I've seen a little bit less of that. I've seen them mix it up a little bit, have some drop coverage. Um so I am glad to see that aspect improve on last season, which you know, who would have thought it?
2: Yeah, I I was def I'm definitely impressed with that, especially Wahab's growth there because it was when he was in early on at least when he was in you know Yurt would play like thirty minutes and Wahab would play like ten, mm-hmm. and in those ten minutes Wahab I loved him, but if he was in the pick and roll that was a bucket like no matter what, yeah. and that's it's not true and I, I'm that's been really impressive. One last thing I wanted to bring up about this year's team before we start talking about the fun stuff is. TJ Berger has only played 20 minutes this year. I think they've been a pretty impressive 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I would like to see him in more. The thing is, is the, the person he would be taking the minutes from are Kerry and Blair, who are average. You know, Blair is going to be in there for 37, 38 minutes a night. And Kerry's going to be in there for 30-something, too. But Berger, on offensive end, is exactly what we need. He'd be the best. Him and Kerry would be the on-the-spot shooters. Burger in his limited minutes does not look good on the defensive end, getting blown past again and again, reaching fouls. I mean, I th- there is something to be said about practicing that in practice. I'd like to see him out there against Big East opponents because that's the only way you're gonna know what you actually have and if you can trust him later on in the season. So he's only played in four of the game four of the eight. Played 20 minutes in those combined. Looked good. I'd like to see him out there a little more.
0: I mentioned this. Um in the Villanova like during the Villanova game but um I, th- I feel it's worth talking about for just a moment here um you know how there's that cliche of oh this kid's the coaches this kid is a coach's son so like he must have a higher insert sport here IQ and and see the game a little bit better I think Berger does I think he is has- I think he has a natural natural feel in the offensive end knows when to shoot knows when to try and drive, knows, knows when to pass. That cross-court pass to Blair in that Villanova game was beautiful. Um, all right, that's that's enough about this year's team. Next year's team, um, it's going to be a fun one with the, uh, with the commitment of five-star recruit and number 15 overall in the country, Aminu Mohammed out of uh, Greenwood Laboratory School in Springfield, Missouri. He joins a class that has four other players in the top 200, uh, including, including center, four-star center, Ryan Matumbo ranked number 80 in his class. Um, criminally underrated guard, Jordan Riley, uh, out of New York, explosive guard, Tyler Beard out of uh, Hargrave military Academy and Whitney Young high school in Chicago. And, um, for Jalen Billingsley out of Lutheran East high school in somewhere in Ohio, I think.
1: What are our thoughts? I mean, this has got to be like, according to two, four, seven, we're, we're what number six in the country for our 2021 recruiting class. Like when was the last time I I'm actually asking, I don't know if you know, but I don't know when the last time Georgetown had a class ranked this high was. Um, It's has not been like recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, it's super exciting. Um, I think, like, the top two names that people are looking, are, th- are thinking about are Aminu Muhammad and, and Ryan Matumbo, and for good reason. But, like, this is a super deep class. All, all five of these guys, I think, are going to be, if not the freshman year, like by their sophomore year, like important rotational players. Um, the one thing I've been thinking about is just like the guard minutes. Um, how things are going to get split up next year because we'll have at least at least it's going to be Kerry Dante Harris and um, Beard and Jordan Riley right and I would guess that Dante and Kerry are going to get the majority of the minutes just because they'll have a year at Georgetown under their belt already and Kerry already having like four years in uh, D1 basketball but that has the potential to be like one of the deepest backcourts in the Big East, in my opinion. We'll see how, how the new guys pan out, but it looks good on paper.
2: And I would take that because it's been a little while since I feel like we've had energy off the bench. You know, we've had shooters come off the bench, which is an important aspect of, you know, a deep bench. But it's been a while since we've had energy because the energy of the players have always been in the starting lineup if we have them at all. So I think Beard and Riley would be an explosive duo coming off the bench. Um, especially on the defensive end as well, and really change the tempo. And I don't know the way you said that gave me a little bit of chills there, Tristan. I'd like to see this backcourt in the, in the Big East. Yes. Um, I think, you know, center. I think talking if we want to keep talking about minutes next year, I think, you know, we know center is going to be Wahab and Matumbo, and that's a dynamic duo. Like. Right now, every minute Wahab's not on the bench not on the court, I cringe. I love Tim Ego I think he's a great guy
0: I ever. Shout out. Love yes, Tim. Guy.
2: We love you, Tim. Malcolm, fantastic human, great work. There's a great feature by Jake Levin on the Georgetownvoice.com that people should read about Malcolm. They're not getting it done on the court. <laughs> um, and so if you have Matumbo coming in and playing a, a top 100 crew playing 15 15 minutes a night behind Wob, who's going to keep growing we hope like that's a deep center position small forward slash wing kind of swing guy it's going to be a you can kind of you know he's a top 20 player i i hope you can lock him in for you know 30 30 minutes a night right. so for me it's really power forward um kind of that position i kind of wonder what we're going to see especially if we want us to go in small sometimes you know we'll simply take the step up Will Billingsley be ready for a bunch of minutes right off the bat? Where does Kobe Clark fit into things? Mm. I think that's really the big question mark right there. It's a good question to have because I feel like we have some potential answers. Um, But we definitely – i like, that would be a place where I'd be like, this would be a place for, like, a graduate transfer. would be, like, a power forward position. We definitely don't have room for that. We're already one scholarship over now. So I think – that's going to be really a make or break because there's a lot of good shooting biggish men in the big East. Um, and you got to have guys like can-
0: just in terms of, of like, what class this year is uh, comparable to, you would have to, the, the first class you would think of would be 2014 with five-star Isaac Copeland um, and then L.J. Peak, Trey Campbell, Paul White, and um, that other guy who uh, I don't really want to talk about. You know they that class didn't didn't exactly pan out as you as you would have liked, and so for a more successful class you would probably have to go back two years before that. Um, th- it was a class with Greg Whittington, who's now a pro, um, Mikhail Hopkins, who plays for top tier club in Europe, Jabril Trawick. Who, who John Thompson, like himself, said was the only player on JT3's teams that could play for him. And Tyler Adams, who's a coach, and obviously Otto, who, um, who's in the NBA as well. And so, so yeah, this is, this is the deepest and best class we've had in, in ages, really. And I, I think that, um, we're kind of starved for for creators on offense on this team. Um, next year we won't be. Aminu Muhammad is a guy who can get you a bucket instantly. Uh, Jordan Riley and Tyler Beard have freak athleticism. Um, Ryan Matumbo solid as they come. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just this is a great class. No matter no matter how you how you slice it. And um, I will also say that I think the character of these guys is, is, um, is what coach Ewing looking for. I think, I think coach Ewing went out to recruit a bunch of little pats, you know, guys who are guys who are really unselfish, really humble, see the big picture, but are also really skilled and can take over a game if they have to. And like, like coaches raved about how, how, um, Ryan, Ryan, for example, tried too hard to get everybody else involved and needed to get his own shot more. Yeah, they're, they're dogs, but um, yeah, I, I think I think Coach Ewing went out to look for um, look for you know little Patrick Ewings and and he got him.
2: Well, so I know I've watched college basketball less than you guys have. What are what are our expectations for the Hoyas next year? You know, I think we can be we can be pretty certain we're going to be at the bottom of the biggies this year. Um, I think pretty certain we're going to have a losing record. Um, that's okay, <laughs> um, because the reinforcements are on the way. You know, what's kind of – I guess what's, like, the best-case scenario and then what's kind of, you know, a, a middle ground-ish, you know, not that they don't pan out, but, you know, it takes a while for them to grow – Aminu doesn't adapt that quickly to the college game, even though I think he will. What do you, what in your mind are the expectations we should have next year?
1: I would say that the expectations are, I don't know, you guys, you guys tell me what you think of this. Um, but in my head, I'm kind of thinking like expectations should be about the same as what the results were from the uh, season, your guys' freshman year, um, where we went, we went nine to nine in Big East play. Right, and then we're like right, right on the outside looking in um, for the tournament. And I think that what's gonna help us uh, help us a lot is is maybe like we we have a minu, and I think Q should be like top tier big men in the Big East level like next year. But what's gonna be a big difference maker for this team next year is us having the depth that I don't think a lot of the Georgetown teams like in the last five years have really had um and like just like we were talking about we're going to be really deep in all positions and um having enough guys who even though we like were expecting five freshmen to play a lot of minutes um we have enough like returners who are experienced enough to you know keep things going if you know the freshmen are I don't know making their freshman mistakes uh so I think I think nine and nine is pretty or i guess it'll be 10 and 10 Mm -hmm. got uconn back um that sounds about right for me i mean at least with this recruiting class that we have like we should win half of our big games i think
0: yeah uh i would agree i think that's a pretty realistic expectation for for a team that like we expect to rely heavily on freshmen um i think i think that's that's realistic and then considering uh, some of the games from our freshman year you know we lost on the last second shot to Syracuse right we lost uh, on a last second miss against Marquette we we blew a five-point lead with 40 seconds to go against st John's you know if those three games go the other way that that year's team is a tournament team mm-hmm. and I so I would I I would expect um, with this incoming class that hopefully some of those closer decisions would go our way and 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 the expectation would be to make the tournament. Now the best scenario is a sweet 16 run because that sounds very intimidating on on the surface but in reality it's you know two wins in in the tournament, right? When you kind of put it that way that it sounds a little bit easier to accomplish but yeah, fre- freshmen are going to make freshman mistakes. Um regardless of regardless of how they're ranked it's just do you have do you have the other more experienced guys there to kind of help them bounce back quicker and will they take it upon themselves to make better decisions and again that's where the unselfishness factor with pretty much everyone in this class comes in uh and also that's where kudus wahab and donald carey will play huge roles for this team um despite all the hype surrounding this class, which is rightfully earned, by the way. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Tristan. I think that maybe a little bit better than that would be sort of the expectation. And then, you know, the dream outcome would be like Sweet 16.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree that that's like kind of the ceiling-ish would be Sweet 16. But, I mean, inevitably this team is going to get a lot better as the season goes on next season. Because just implementing all these new guys into the system, which, you know, you just got to get in and then anything can happen if you're playing good ball at that time, um, which we obviously don't really know about as Georgetown fan. <laughs> but, you know, that's what they always say. You just got to get in and then, <laughs> right. Yeah. do we think
2: AmU is a potential one and done type guy Nathan, if you could touch on, you've talked about this. I don't really know much about high school basketball at all. I mean, I know a little bit about California high school basketball, but I know Amina was in a, a really good conference his freshman year. I know he made all, all, all conferences a freshman. Um, so he's shown that he can make that leap and change a team right off the bat. And I think if he does that, like, I think he's a first round talent. Um, I don't know if he'll, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know enough about him yet. I don't know if he has the body to go to the NBA straight away. Um, different stuff like that. But if he if he plays like we hope, is he a one-and-done-type, lottery-type pick kind of guy? Or what are we going to be seeing here?
0: Well, I'm not going to presume to get into Aminu Muhammad's head. Um, I will say that if he, you know, if he is, a, if he ends up being a one-and-done player and a lottery pick, that means we must have done pretty well unless we, because, because like, this is not a Markel Fultz at Washington-type situation. We've got, you know, other players too, right? So um, if he does produce at that level, that probably means we did pretty good and had, had a nice season. Um, yeah, just on the point of um, amused freshman season, he played at Archbishop Carroll in the WCAC, the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference, which is one of the top conferences in, uh, in the country for high school basketball. And this is not to say that I know anything about uh, national National High School Basketball, just DC area. I'm a little bit more familiar. Um, you know, this has the some of the great programs like Gonzaga, DeMatha, and so uh, this is this is a legit. This is a legitimate. Um, this is a legitimate high school conference. And so, any concerns about facing lower competition in Missouri? Those you should not have those concerns with Aminu. If he pl- if he plays like a one and done that's great for us. And then if he decides to come back and, you know, continue working towards his degree, which, which like, it actually seems like he's, he legitimately like, this is a legitimate consideration for him because if it wasn't, then why wouldn't you go to the school that just, that just um, sent the number one pick in the NBA draft to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So um, I do think, I do think that, that is a legitimate part of, I mean, his decisions going forward. But if he's a one and done, that's great for us. And if he stays, that's also great for us. And I'm just really glad that we were able to get this local guy, you know, the same day that we heard about an interview from Ronnie Rice, where he said, if they, if they get some big DC recruits and they keep
2: that up, I'd be interested in joining. One thing to note is that at the moment? I mean, I think we can all like someone's. We're gonna someone's gonna leave a scholarship at yeah. some point soon. But when that happens, it's gonna go back to how it was. And we am only gonna have one scholarship spot open next year for the next recruiting class. So and, you know, if, if Aminu stays, if everybody stays, which I'm and just be carry right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Carry, just be carry. Um. Yeah. Because. <laughs> There's no one in, in the class of 2022 anymore. <laughs> Jaden's in the class, but he's not a scholarship right, player. You're right. Um, Jaden Robinson, we love you. Walk on legend. So I think then at that point, Patrick has to swing for the fences, right? Going for another top 20 type recruit. If we only have one spot, I, I, I my hope is that landing Aminu is going to give, you know, not make anyone complacent, but kind of give Patrick a little bit of swagger and kind of, you know, give him something besides just being NBA Hall of Famer when he's going into these recruiting meetings, like these guys believe in me. We're gonna do big things, and then he has to produce next year. Simple as that. I can't see a future where Georgetown ever fires Patrick Ewing as kind of the face of everything in that program. But I think at a certain point he's gonna have he's gonna step aside if he can't win with these guys he's bringing in because I don't quite know what switch turned and why Georgetown's one of the hottest programs in the country. (laughs) Turn real quick back off if he can't do anything with these guys. Sure. I think I'm excited about next year, undeniably, but I'm a little nervous. I'm like, this, this, you know, he should be a little excited and nervous too because this has to go well.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Next year is a big year for Ewing's, like, coaching tenure. For me, like, this being his fourth year, like, with everything that happened last year um, and all of his players leaving, he, like, I kind of give him – sort of like a pass for not being able to produce like by the third year next year it'll be his fifth season again like he like next year's team they have the high recruiting class but i think in a way like they're still feeling the they will still be feeling the effects to a certain extent of everything that happened this past offseason the last season um just with the roster and everything but if, if he's not at least – if Georgetown isn't at least, like, contending, like, on the bubble, like, toward the end of the season for a spot in the tournament, no, he's not going to get fired, but my, I'll, like, lose, like, a lot of faith in him. Because, like, right now, I still believe that we can be a successful program with, with Patrick Ewing as the guy, but, it, I mean, like, how, how can you say – how can you still believe in him next year if he brings in this number six recruiting class and, like, we stink again?
0: Yeah, these are these are kind of if if and but situations. But um, I will say that the twenty fourteen class that that I had talked about that kind of fell apart. You know, Isaac Copeland transferred to Nebraska. Trey Campbell transferred to South Carolina, and then you know LJ Peak was kind of the the last man standing in that class. That was kind of the class that did JT three and another highly rec- another highly touted. Uh, group of recruits that that um, didn't pan out and eventually I think costed costed uh, JT3 his job. That was probably the final the final straw that broke the camel's back. And so um, yeah, it, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where uh, Ewing doesn't succeed with this class and then keeps his, and then keeps his job for much longer. But yeah, ho- hopefully that doesn't happen. I, I personally don't think it will. Even though the three of us are conditioned to think that that what can go wrong will go wrong, um, you know, we I, I at least have some kind of dumb blind faith, especially in this class. So I think I do think next year will be very fun. I'm I'm definitely an optimist on this class, and um, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to make it until then.
1: Any final thoughts, guys? sit by on the bench please
2: <laughs> forever I'm jealous of any incoming freshmen who haven't had I mean Tristan you have it worse you don't even get a year with these guys yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen we've seen some bad basketball some bad basketball and I who do be I would have great joy if we didn't if the, the next class didn't see any bad basketball <laughs> um but, yeah, I'm a little jealous, but I'm excited.
0: My final thought will be this. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to two Hoyas point guards that have had great games abroad this past week, uh, Chris, both both playing in Turkey, Chris Wright, uh, who I believe is the class of 2011. Chris Wright had 11 points and I think 12 assists in his most recent game on Sunday for uh, Afyon Beladieh. Sorry, Chris, if I'm mispronouncing that. And then, um, and then, uh, 2020 guard Terrell Allen, who personally is one of my favorite players that I've ever seen here, and who this team could use, could use a heavy dose of. Oh, yeah. um, Terrell Allen, uh, playing for a final score Bursa <laughs> in Turkey, had had just a marvelous game: 25 points, eight assists, four rebounds, four steals. You know, just what just what you expect. So, shout out to Chris Wright and Terrell Allen, still balling abroad. Um, believe it or not, there's leagues other than the NBA where people play professional basketball at a high level. And so, just wanted just wanted to make sure that um, everybody knew that they're that they were balling out this week. So, what do you yeah, that's to? that's my final thought. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for coming on and talking about. Uh, the women's and the men's teams looking forward to the next one